You are listening to the GTT podcast from the Canadian Council of the Blind. Welcome to the CCB GTT weekly meeting. This is Wednesday, November the 18th, 2020. And our topic today is the iOS rotor. So I'm going to go through what the rotor is, what it does, how you can um, customize it, and how you can use it uh, with the Bluetooth keyboard and a braille display. And then we will open for Q&A. Now, without further ado, let's get into the topic about the rotor. So the rotor in iOS is, is like a menu. So it's like a, a restaurant menu you have, but you can take out all the pages of the foods you don't like and you can customize it to your own uh, liking. Uh, and you can put things that you would like to adjust quickly in there so you don't have to go back into settings and find things in settings. So it's available on the fly, whatever app you're in. And some apps will have more options in the rotor. For example, the Easy Reader app uh, for iOS for reading CELA books or Bookshare books has added some gestures, uh, some settings in its rotor. And you don't have to customize these, they go in there right away. So jumping ahead or back by two minutes, five minutes, 30 seconds, those are added in. So the occasional app will add some in, but I'm going to go through the main ones that exist on all apps and going to talk about how to put things in, take things out, how to customize them first. Um, so to know what is in your rotor and to add or remove things from your rotor, you go to, um, we're going to cover that and then we're gonna talk about how to use it and how to change gestures. So to find your rotor, you go to settings, accessibility, voiceover, and rotor. Or you can say to your friend with it starts with an S, open voiceover settings, and then you'll just have to find rotor. So once you open rotor settings, you're in a list of items that can be put in or taken out of your rotor. If an item says selected before it reads the item, if it says, for example, selected words, it means that it's in your rotor. And if you double tap with one finger, you can unselect it. Or if it doesn't say selected and you double tap with one finger, you can select it. So here are the items that you can have in your rotor and what they do. So. Braille screen input is what I have at the top of my rotor myself. I moved it there. Um, you can move things around in your rotor so that they're in the order you would like them to be. And Braille screen input allows those of us who know Braille to type on our phone screen in Braille. So when we turn it on in a text field and turn our phone, we just put all our fingers on the phone and start typing in Braille uh, in order to use that. So if you're a Braille user and you want to have that in your rotor, you can put it in. It's not in there by default. Below each item, so at the top of mine is Braille screen input. And just if I swipe right once, 
there's a button that says reorder. Double tap and hold to reorder. So if you double tap with one finger and hold and then slide your finger up or down, you're moving that rotor item around within your rotor. So the next thing, so braille screen input usually wouldn't be at the top of your rotor, but it is at the top of mine. So the first thing you'll find probably is characters. So when, you, when it is selected and you turn your rotor to that, flicking up or down with one finger will move through a word character by character. That's handy for spelling out words like people's names or phone numbers. So if you're on an email and someone sent you a phone number and you want to know what it is number by number, you can turn your rotor to characters and then swipe down if you're at the beginning of the line and it will read each number by itself or swipe uh, backwards. You can go backwards through the numbers again, backwards if you swipe up with one finger. Words, that's self-explanatory, moves you word by word. Uh, times when I might use this is when I read a sentence and then I, I would really want to focus on that sentence slowly and understand it, I might move word by word or if you're, you're just checking names or or spellings, or maybe a route that you, you want to go, or a recipe. Uh, text selection. So text selection is a feature that came in a few versions of iOS ago. And what that does is when you put that in your rotor and you, and you tap on it, uh, you spin to it, you will then be able to select or deselect text and then do things with it. So when it's on, Swiping up or down changes the level of text selection. So you can change from characters, words, lines, select all. Swiping with one finger to the right starts to select text and swiping with one finger to the left deselects the text. So that's something, if you think you're going to get into editing, you might wanna put that in your phone. It's quite handy or iPad. But if you are just starting off, it's probably not something you need in there and it isn't in there by default. The next one would be lines. So when you when you have this on, when you turn to it and you flick up and down with one finger, you're moving line by line through a document, which can be handy for word processing and, and other things. Or if you just want to read something line by line, like a recipe or, or directions or something like that. Next is speaking rate. So if you tend to adjust your speaking rate uh, and want to do that on the fly, you can put that in there. So when you turn your rotor to speaking rate, swiping up with one finger increases your speed by I think 5% five, um, 5 each time and swiping down decreases it. So that's handy for, people say, for example, if you're learning a new language and your voiceover rate is quite fast, say for English, and maybe you're trying to learn French or Spanish or German and you want that slower in that language, you can change it. Or if you like it fast for certain things, like skimming through something, but if you're reading for pleasure or you can slow your speech rate down quickly that way. Uh, the next one is volume. And again, that can adjust the volume on the fly. Um, if you think that that's helpful, 
Um, then again, swiping up with one finger raises it and swiping down lowers the volume. The next one is audio ducking. And you can put this in your rotor and the only two options are on or off. So um, when it's on, audio ducking, it ducks any background noise when voiceover speaks. So I tend to have it on, but I guess some people may not like it on. And that's an interesting conversation starter as to whether or not you might like it. Um, if it's off, all the speech remains the same. So voiceover and music and whatever else you're listening to. So I find it a little harder to hear voiceover when other sounds are at equal level with it. But if you want to move it around, if in some apps you don't want your audio ducking on and some you do, you can put that in your rotor. Punctuation. So when you turn to this, if you swipe up or down with one finger, it goes from almost no punctuation to almost everything with some, some things in between. And this can be handy um, in, say, in word processing, you might want to hear all of your punctuation. But if you're reading a news article, you certainly don't want to hear every little bit of punctuation. So some people have it in there and uh, change the level of punctuation if they like to do that. Sounds uh, is the next thing. This turns on or off your voiceover sound. So when you make a double tap and you hear that little noise, or when you flick right and you hear a certain noise, or um, the noises that you hear to tell you that you did something with voiceover gestures, you can turn that on or off. And you can put that in your rotor and turn that on uh, quickly. Or if you prefer to have it on off most of the time, but on when in a new app, that's something you can do. Next is hints. Hints are handy, especially at the beginning, because when they're on, every time you do something, will, it will kind of give you any hints for a new app. So it will tell you things about the app. It might tell you. Uh, double tap for more information or any hints that they've added in. And so sometimes I'll put hints in there and leave it off most of the time. But if I get a new app, I might turn them on for a little while just to see if there's anything that will help me learn to use that app uh, better. So it's handy to put it in there. Otherwise, you have to go into voice settings, voiceover and find it. Language is the next one. So if you use more than one language, French and English, say, for example, or I know someone who uses French, English, and Greek, um, and you can put different languages in your rotor and quickly move between them, which can be quite handy. I, I put um, US and UK English in my languages, and you can put Australian, South African, you can put all kinds, Irish, you can put all the English languages in there too and have different voices for those if you like it, um, and then you can switch between them. But what I find uh, is that people that use more than one languages find this very good because you can just quickly, uh, say you receive emails both in French and English, you can quickly change languages. So flicking up or down will move between the languages that you have uh, set up on your phone. 
The next one is Braille table. So again, if you use Braille with different languages with your phone, so um, you can move among the Braille tables that you might be using by putting this into your rotor. Um, and if you're new to Braille, you might start off with using, you know, um, a very uncontracted UEB table and then change to more advanced after a while. Activities can be in here. Uh, this is a feature, I won't get into it too much, but in iOS 13, this came in where you could program certain apps to be at different settings than the regular voiceover settings. So say you decide which app you want to have more punctuation spoken, say in word processing and mail or something, you can put this into your rotor. Uh, we could talk about that another time if people use it, um, but that can be put into your rotor so you can change among those. Handwriting is the next one. And I don't know very many blind people who have used handwriting, but it can be very useful, not for someone like me that's been blind since birth, but for people who have gone blind or lost some vision later on, um, you can turn it similar to Braille screen input. So when you turn this on, you can actually write with your finger on the screen of your phone. I do not know how accurate it is um, and how many people might use it, but you can put this into your rotor and then turn your rotor to it when you're in a text field and see if you like it. Containers. Uh, this is very useful for iPad users. It's also very useful in the new app library because in the new app library in iOS 14, that's how Apple has organized your apps into containers based on what they are. So containers is very useful, as I said, for iPad users, because when you move by containers and you're on the iPad with the two column, uh, flicking down to the next container brings you to the next column and flicking up brings you to the previous column. So if you're totally blind and you don't like those two columns and trying to find your way among them, using containers is really helpful for that. So this might be something you could consider putting into your rotor. Headings. Uh, for web pages, for sure, headings are in my rotor. Headings are very useful, as we know from other screen reader use. It will jump to the next heading in a website or in a document that's formatted that way. And swiping down will move to the next heading. Swiping up will move to the previous heading. So it's like pressing um, H with your, uh, in your web browsers using a screen reader. Links is next, so it moves you through the links on a web page. Again, swiping down will move to the next one and swiping up to the previous. This is like the links list and some of our screen readers with the insert F7. Um, it's very good, it's very easy, nice to use. I keep links in my rotor. Um, form controls. I believe this is anything on a web page that you could you could click on. I don't have it in my rotor. I don't leave it there. But um, if anyone does afterwards, it'd be great to hear why you do this and whether it's a good idea. 
tables. So again, if you have many tables on a web page or on a document, you can move to a next table by swiping down and move to the previous table by swiping up. Now, when you land in a table, this is one of the examples where extra rotor settings pop in. Rows will be in your rotor to and columns. Uh, so that is quite handy, I would say. Lists, again, on web pages, sometimes you have lists. Uh, I do not have this in my rotor, but you definitely can. Landmarks is a fairly new uh, web a tool to take you around a web page. I don't use it. It'd be really interesting to hear if other people do use it and how they would use it, whether they put this in the rotor. Articles, I don't know what articles is, and I would be really keen to know in the Q&A if anyone does know what it is and when, when you might use it in your rotor. That would be really great to know. Visited links is next. This can be handy if it's a website with a lot of links that you visit a lot. Uh, it gets you there quickly. So you twist to visited links and then you swipe down with one finger or up to go back. The next one is non-visited links. I don't have that in my rotor, but you could. Um, buttons is next. And that will take you to any button on a page, which can be useful if you're trying to find you know, a submit button or something like that. It's useful to, to use those in there. Text fields, that would be in a web page. Um, and search fields. And I'm not sure of the difference between those two. I put them in and played around with them and I couldn't really tell. So if anyone does know that, I would be grateful to know and it would be something to talk about in the, in the conversation. Images. I, I don't have this in my rotor and I don't use it. But if anyone does use it again, I'd love to hear a use case for that. Static text. So this would be text on a website that never changes. Again, I don't have it in my rotor. Um, and I don't know, I wouldn't. Now I noticed that they now have Zoom. That may have been in there before, but I don't remember seeing it in there before. So anyone with low vision, if you, I think this lets you zoom in. Uh, to, so if you put it in your rotor, you can zoom in, I think so. Same item. I don't know when you would use this, but if anyone does use this, uh, we'd love to hear about this. Vertical navigation. So this brings you to the thing that's right above what you're on uh, visually on the page. So if you were on row one of an app, uh, an app that's in row one on your screen, it would take you say row one, column one, and you swipe down with this on, it would take you to the app that's on row one, uh, row two, column one, sorry. Um, I've used this in tables a little bit and it, and it can be useful, but I, I don't tend to use it or spreadsheets. I've tried it with that. Typing mode is next. So you can change between, there's three options now. There's touch typing. Oh, there's two options in this one. And then that slide to type is a separate rotor item. But so in typing mode, if you have that in your rotor, you can change between touch typing, where you slide your finger around the screen and lift it when you hear the letter you want, 
or standard typing, which means you double tap when you find the letter you want. So if you change between these two, you might put this in your rotor, but I, I don't keep that personally in mind. So slide to type, you can also put in your rotor. It's a fairly new feature brought in with iOS 13, where you slide your fingers kind of in a pattern and it, it sort of makes the word that it thinks you're going to use. And I do not ever use this. I tried it a few times, but uh, I didn't like it. So I don't keep that in my rotor, but you could. Audio destination, where the sound will go to. So if you have different speakers or you want it to come out of the phone speakers or the headphones, you could put this in your rotor and move around to that. There's something new in iOS 14 for Braille users. It's Braille Auto Advanced Speed. This, uh, there's a new feature in iOS 14 for Braille users, which is automatic panning so that you don't have to push the button to get to the next line of Braille. Uh, that has been the case for a lot of screen readers, but not for voiceover. This is new in iOS 14 and now you can have it. So this changes the speed by which the braille um, line moves and you can you can put this into your rotor if you prefer screen recognition so again this is new in ios 14 it recognizes things on your screen uh, that are not labeled correctly and you you can put this into your rotor now um so this is all the things that go into the rotor. So don't feel overwhelmed. Most people don't have very many. Most people might have five, six, seven of them. Who knows exactly, but uh, you don't need to feel overwhelmed by all these things. I just thought I'd go through what they are. I'm just going to talk about the rotor gesture, but maybe before I do that, why don't we see if there's any questions about the things that go into the rotor? Hi, everybody. So, uh, Kim, I have a comment and two questions. My first comment is that when I started to use the rotor, I'm kind of thumble-fingered, and the thumb and finger just didn't work for me. So after a little bit of hunting around, I found out that you could use the rotor using two hands. So with one hand, I take my pointed finger, the other hand pointed finger, one at the top, one at the bottom, and just move them in opposite directions. That's all the rotor does. It just looks for two gestures in opposite directions. So you can go up and down with two fingers across, diagonal, whatever. And I found that much easier than putting my thumb down and trying to rotate my finger. Yeah, so, so we, we are going to talk about all of the ways of doing the gestures. So that's oh, okay. great to know. Yeah, no, okay. that's great, though. That's a, excellent. To, yeah, okay, so uh, two questions. The first is, so if I were to do something using the rotor in when I'm in one app, uh, let's say change the rotor when I'm in voice dream and then I go to the mail app will the settings that I did in the rotor when I was in voice dream still be there when I go to another app that was my first question and my second question concerns the volume on the rotor so I have a wiggle in my memory it says there's really two two more than one kind of volume um, on the iPad which is what I use one is what they call the media volume which I think is the voiceover volume. And then there's another volume that is like whatever the app is using. And I was never able to get a firm grasp on that. Can you help me with those two things? Oh, 
Okay, great questions. So I, I think in general, the rotor goes back to actions or like to, to its sort of main state, which is action. So when you swipe up in a message, you delete it. But I could be wrong. So if anyone knows, does the rotor stay where you had it or does it move out? That would be, does anyone have a comment on that? And the other question you had about the volume, does anyone, I, I have a little, I think it's the main volume that goes up or down in the rotor. Um, I know it's not the ringer volume because that's sort of separate, you know, your ringer and alert. No, it's the voiceover volume, Tim. Is it? It's okay. Yeah. So it, it doesn't change um, your music's playing speed or anything like that. No, it does not. No. Okay. Thanks, Mark. That's. Do you know the answer to the other question, Mark, about the um, when when you go to a new app, does your voiceover does your rotor stay where you had it? I could help you with that if he can. Go, go ahead, Jim. Uh, no, it, it's set for each app. There are many ways to perform the rotor gesture, and people have ways that work better for them and other people. Um, one place to practice all of your gestures and, and the rotor gesture, remember that you go to, you ask Siri to open voiceover settings or you go to accessibility voiceover. And then there's a little practice area. So you double tap on practice. And when you're in there, there's a little field where you can go in and practice a gesture. And the great thing about it is it will tell you what you're doing. So you could think you're doing the rotor gesture and it might say touch or something. Um, so uh, it's a good way to practice that. So when, when you finish with this, you double tap on the done button near the top of your screen with one finger and you're out of it. So one thing of one way of turning the rotor, and this is the way I do it, but I will admit that it took months for me to master it, is to take my thumb and my first finger and twist them like I'm twisting a toothpaste cap or something like that. Um, and I, if you twist to the left, uh, it goes uh, your previous rotor gesture. So that's counterclockwise. And if you twist to the right, that's the next rotor um, item. So another way is to hold two fingers steady on the phone and turn the phone. Some people do that. Um, and I know Ron Pelche was telling me a good way yesterday. So when we, we finish this, we can get into the discussion and Hilton's way, and we can talk about other ways of, of doing that uh, when we finish in the Q&A. And you can also customize and change your rotor gesture now. So some people, for example, have changed it to a two finger swipe left for previous rotor and a two finger swipe right for next rotor or other gestures, uh, you can do that now if you want to. To do that, uh, you will go to settings, accessibility, voiceover, commands, and touch gestures. You can go through these and adapt them as you want. Hello, this is an addition to the presentation I gave on the rotor. Thank you to the people in the meeting who pointed out to me this omission. Before you use the rotor commands with the Bluetooth keyboard, that is using the up and left arrow, 
together to turn the rotor counterclockwise and the up and right arrow together to turn the rotor clockwise, you need to make sure that Quick Nav is on on your computer. You can do this by pressing the left and right arrows together. This is a toggle. If you do it once, it will say Quick Nav on. If you do this again, it will say Quick Nav off. Um, with a Bluetooth keyboard using a rotor, um, your gesture that you have is, and they can also be customized, but the one that's set up is if you press your left arrow key and your up arrow key at the same time, you move to the previous rotor. And pressing your right arrow key and up arrow together, you move to the next rotor um, setting. When you're on the one you want, you press your down arrow and it takes you through the settings of that rotor item. And your up arrow takes you to the previous uh, rotor setting. So this is, this is how you do it on a Bluetooth keyboard. If you're using a braille display, pressing cord plus dots two, three. So cord always means that there's a space bar and something. So you're pressing your space bar plus dots two, three. That moves you to the previous rotor setting. And pressing cord plus dots five, six moves you to the next rotor setting. And when you are on the one you want, pressing cord uh, dot six moves you down. So spacebar with dot six, it moves you down through the, the settings for that item. And pressing cord three moves the other way. So moves up through that. So some people who just don't like doing the rotor gestures and want to use mostly Bluetooth keyboard or a braille display. Um, that is a good way to, to do it because you actually have something physical that you can use, but you can, uh, you can really get the rotor gesture. So I, I must say it was the one I had the most trouble with, but let's get into a Q and A about the rotor gestures and maybe how any other questions we have. So I just went through, you know, the basics there, but other people. So maybe Hilton, could you tell us again what, what it is you do, how you do your rotor gesture? Okay, so the idea of the rotor uh, from Apple's perspective or from a hardware perspective is that it is any two opposing gestures. So any two things that are going in opposite directions at the same time. So the conventional one where you put your thumb down and the finger, actually your thumb moves. Uh, you never have it exactly anchored. And when you're rotating, you're actually your thumb moves one way and your finger moves the other way. So that's the opposing actions. So the opposing actions that I use are two of them. If I have the iPad firmly on my desk or something, I take my pointer finger on one hand, my pointer finger on the other hand, I put them in opposite diagonal corners so top right for one, bottom left for the other. I move the bottom hand up and the top hand down um, at the same time, and that does the trick. If uh, uh, the iPad is not so steady, uh, I put my two hands 
uh, underneath the iPad with just my thumbs sticking over the screen. And I move one thumb up and down and the other thumb down and up. And that does the trick also. I encountered many, many, many people who had trouble, trouble with it. And what is recommended by Apple is what works about the worst. And um, that's why it took you so many months to get to do it properly. Actually, I like Hilton's method. The only problem that I find with it is that you have to put either your phone or your tablet down somewhere. The method I use is very much the same, except that if I'm standing at a bus stop wanting to schedule, or if I am uh, waiting for transport and I you know, want to consult my, uh, my file, um, basically what, what, what you can do, and I've done this on the, um, the meeting um, on the Thursday night there, and I've had people do it instantly. And it simply is to put two fingers on the screen, your index, I use my index and my middle finger, and as you push one up, you slide the other one down. So you slide one finger up, slide the other one down at the same time without turning your wrist or anything. Just it's like you're flicking up and down at the same time. Wow, that's so, I'm doing that, it right now. It's really good. Actually. And you know what? It works every single time. And every time I've talked to someone about it, they've tried it and they've succeeded on the first try. So it's it works. That's that's a great way. Thank you. <clears throat> Hello, all. Uh, I had a comment about the Bluetooth keyboard use for the rotor. Um, the sure. okay, the key combinations that you mentioned are a part of what are called um, okay, quick the quick nav function on a, a Bluetooth keyboard. So. Before you use them, you have to you have to make sure you're in quick nav mode, and you do that by pressing the up and down arrow at the same time. Okay, and that'll turn quick nav on or it'll turn quick nav off. And when you have quick nav on, you don't have to use the VO keys. Okay, you can just use the arrow keys to do what you want. So, if you want to, um, your other gestures are right. You know the the left arrow and up arrow to go backwards and the right arrow and the up arrow to go forward in, in your circle of things that are on the rotor. But make sure you're in quick nav mode first. Okay, so they won't work if you're not in quick nav? I don't believe that they will. Okay. Okay. I haven't That's tried great. them with it off. But I, I think they always to... work for me, but but I I'm going to try that though and make. So am I going to test it? I'll test yeah. it right now. I, Let's see. I, I've tried it, Kim, and it doesn't work if you're not in quick nav. Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. So voiceover must put me in quick nav, or maybe I'm always in quick nav. I don't. I don't know exactly, but yeah, that's great to know. Great point. Yeah, it comes up like if you're editing anything, you usually have to take yourself out of quick nav mode when you go like when you enter into an, an edit box to key something in. Usually, voiceover takes you out of the quick nav mode, yeah. um, and and fairly often it'll put you back in it if you go back into a display type operation. But, um, but it's just something to check so that you can make those other gestures work all the time. Dave, I just tried it on the Mac and it's left and right arrow. I think you said up and down arrow. I did say up and down and you are correct. 
up, yeah, up, up and, down. and down. That's that's the equivalent of the double tap. Double yeah. tap. You're, you're yeah, right. Yes, it's right arrow and right. left arrow. Thank you for that correction. Perfect. I just use yeah. it automatically, so I didn't even think about it. Yeah, so do I. I don't think about it either. And yeah. and what's the difference of pressing VOQ as to that, Dave? Oh, well, VOQ takes you into a, a one-character gesture mode so that when, you, when you're, for example, on a web page, it gives you the, the one-letter navigation stuff. You know, okay. if, you, if you do VOQ and then you can do H for heading or one or two or three or four mm -hmm. or six, you know, all, all those things that were in the rotors, you know, the links, the text, all those different options are available as one-character things. There, yeah. This is the gestures for the uh, uh, rotor. Uh, I, you, the, the explanation that you did about the forefinger and the middle finger on the screen is what I was going to talk about. And when I'm teaching somebody, I always explain to them is like it pretend you, that your fingers do the walking, or pretend you're skating on the screen, like so that one for you know like one finger forward and the other one back without taking your finger off the screen so that that was just what i was going to compliment comment on and it helps so much but if they want to do the two finger thumb and forefinger i always say it's like turning you know on a uh, uh, turning on a volume or up on a radio or turning down the volume on the radio or something to use that motion but the other one works with the let your fingers do the walking and remember that old saying let your fingers do the walking through the yellow pages <laughs> yeah yeah so, yeah. so that kind of yep. yeah so that's kind of what i say you know let your fingers do the walking or pretend you're skating you know and your fingers up and down opposite ways and it always seems to work yes i hold the phone in one hand and um straight up and down and um between usually my well in the palm of my hand and then I can put two fingers on the screen and then I flick the phone rather than moving my fingers. And if you move the phone in a bit of an arc, you don't have to do a wild gesture and throw your phone across the room, but <laughs> it, it, it actually does the same thing as giving you an opposing movement because your fingers are moving the opposite way to what your phone is moving because you're moving your phone. So th that has worked, and I've been able to teach people using that. That's all I was going to say. I understand there's something you can do in the rotor, and, and has to do with you, you can kind of like in JAWS where you're checking your spelling. I don't know if, it, if it's at the end of a document that you can do it, or if you, as you go along, there's some way to access spelling with the rotor. You go to edit, and there's something to do with spelling, but I can't remember what well, I think it's I think it's one of those ones that pops up when they're when you're in an edit field, like it'll say misspelled words, and then you're supposed to swipe down to go through them and up to go backwards. And then I think you swipe right for options. But I know that was broken for a while in 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 iOS 13. If I know I mistyped a word and it seems to work in some uh, areas of when you're editing, if I know for sure that I think I mistyped the word, I backspace and it'll give me the option for the correct word. And then I VO space on it and it adds it and then space after it and it's it's added, but doesn't always work in everything. Yeah, that's one of the things that isn't as good as Windows with screen readers. Um, 
for sure is the spell checking, like automatic reading out the things and giving you the options. I, I, I'm not sure how good it is on the Mac. I, I don't know, but um, it's been a bit problematic. I, it's one of the things I find that word processing on the phone is not as good for that reason, even in Word and even in, you know, I don't know. I just, myself, I don't like it that much. But yeah, I think that's one of those ones that shows up when 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 it's available. I, I didn't see it in the list of rotor and I went through everything. So um, I think it shows up when, it's one of those mystery ones that comes up when you when you need it. Thank you for listening to the GTT podcast from the Canadian Council of the Blind. There are many ways to get in touch with us. You can call us toll-free at 1-877-304-0968. You can follow our GTT blog at gttprogram.blog. If you'd like to subscribe to our email support list, you can send a blank email to gttsupport plus sign subscribe at groups.io. And you can follow the Canadian Council of the Blind on the web at ccbnational.net. 